Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we are going to be learning Parshas Truma. We're starting off with Truma Rish on the first Aliyah in Parshas. Truma as a parsha has 96 psukim in total, and our Aliyah has 16 psukim running from Perikhafei Pasuk Aleph to Tes Zion. Let's try to understand an overview of this Aliyah and then delve into some points to ponder. We're told that Hashem tells Moshe to tell the nation of Israel that they are to take for them, for Hashem a truma, a donation from each person who is generous of heart. That's where the donations are going to be coming from. And the truma is enlisted. We hear all kinds of things that are to be donated. Gold, silver, copper, all different colors of thread, all different materials, goat skin, all these different types of materials are talked about. There are precious stones, there are skins of different animals, oil, fuel, all kinds of incense in order to facilitate the making of this Mishkan. At the end we're told, You make for me a sanctuary so that I may dwell among you. And Moshe is instructed to, show, to, to create it based on what Hashem is going to show him to do. Then we hear about the construction of the first implement, which is the iron, which is the Ark of the, uh, the Covenant. It is two and a half by one and a half by, by one and a half. And these are all in cubits. And we hear that it is three layers. There's gold on the outside, wood on the inside, and gold on the, um, on the inside. So it's gold, wood, gold. We also hear that it has four of these rings on the edges, on the corners and into those rings are staves these sticks they are put in there they should not be removed and inside the iron inside the ark is the edus the testimony which hashem promises to give to Moshe. so let's try to understand a few basics in this aliyah first question is why now why is the mishkan coming now which leads us to the next question which is when is now when does this happen so Technically speaking, it comes after Matan Torah, which makes a lot of sense. After the Torah was given, this is one of the commandments of the Torah. However, Rashi quotes the Medrash that, in fact, this is not in chronological sequence. This, in fact, actually occurs after Pashas Kisisa, which is in two weeks' time. So it is to be coming after Kisisa because it is an atonement for the Chet Egel. The way the Medrash famously quotes it is, Yava Zohov She Bemirklash via Chaper Al Zohov She Egel. That the gold that you misappropriated for the sin of the golden calf come to atone for the gold, which is that the gold given to the Mishkan come to atone for the gold given to the Egel Azov. And it's not just the same material. The idea is, is trying to create some sort of oracle for a place where Hashem is to reside. They try to do this in the illegitimate way. Now they're going to do it in the legitimate way. That's how Rashi understands it. That being the case, therefore, it is almost as if this is the, the safe way of creating an Egel or a place where Kodesh Baruch Hu can be imminent in the world. However, the Ramban points out that, in fact, it is possible to read this section of the Torah in chronological sequence, that Truma and Tetzave come before Kisisa, and therefore the Mishkan's command is not as a reaction to the Cheta Egel. In fact, it is an, its own independent parsha. if that's the case, asks the Ramban. Why is it that the Mishkan is being commanded? So the Ramban gives one suggestion, which is that it is a continuation of the Sinai experience. The nation of Israel have just moved away from Sinai. They, well, they've just experienced Sinai at the very least. 
And now, in order to facilitate the continuation of that incredible experience, that supernatural experience, there's going to be a place which reminds them on a day-to-day basis of that experience. The epicenter of that is like they saw on the mountain in the fire was the place where the tabernacle, where the, where the, the testimony, the two stones, the, the, the luchos were given. Here, the epicenter of this, this structure is going to be made in gold, which is this yellow gold, yellow reddish gold, which looks like flames. Inside the flames are to be found the luchos, the testimony. So it's a recreation of that entire experience as a way of reliving and continuing that experience, as the Ramban says it, and therefore it is not a reaction to the Cheta Egel, it is its own independent idea and, 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 and reality. Another question is, how can donations, if you look at the way it's described, how can the donations be taken um, and for, uh, from those people who need to give? Meaning, it seems like a little bit of a contradiction. You're supposed to take the donations and you're supposed to give from the people who, who give it. So, is it being taken or is it being given? Is it a mandate? Is it a voluntary um, giving? The Swas MS, Rav Yehuda Aryeh Leib of Ger, says a very beautiful insight over here, and that is, is this is the, in, the institution of any communal success. And that is, is that any community needs to take, in plural, v'yik chuli, you should take for me a truma, a donation, may ace kol ish, asheyid venerli boy. The success of a community is when the entirety, the, we'll call the collective, is able to facilitate the success of every individual. When a community can realize that every person who is part of that community is bringing something to the table which no other person has, that's when there will be the success. That's when they'll be able to build sanctuaries. So it is in plural, you will take in plural, from every individual who belongs to that community. And that's how we build the house of God, with every person bringing something to the table together. Another question is, is that the, if this whole business is to create a sanctuary for Hashem, then why is it that Hashem says, Veshachanti besacham, I'm going to dwell amongst the nation of Israel. So is he dwelling in the Mishkan, or is he dwelling amongst Israel? Rav Hirsch makes a very beautiful point, and he says that there is actually two words used in that Pasuk. One is Mikdash, and one is Mishkan. Ve'asuli Mikdash, you make for me a sanctuary. Veshachanti, that's the word Mishkan, I will dwell among you. The way that Rav Hirsch understands it is, it's a two-way street. First, you sanctify a place for me, you dedicate. Mekadesh, Mikdash, you make a sanctuary for me, and then I will shochen, I will dwell among you. If you make the space for me, I will dwell among you. Kotzkerebbe was once asked when he was a little boy, and he said, Yingle, where is the Ebeshter, where is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where is the Almighty? And he answered by saying, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is wherever you let him in. If we're willing to make this space, Hashem will be there. And that's this operation of the Mishkan. If we're willing to make that dedication of a space for Hashem, then He truly will be among all of us. That's how Rav Hirsch explains it. Another question is, why is the gold on the inside and the outside? So it's interesting, actually. It depends where you put the comma. As an example, just a secular example, eats, shoots, and leaves. What does that refer to? Is eats, shoots, and leaves a gangster in Chicago? Or is it a panda bear? Well, it depends where you put the comma. If it's eats, comma, shoots and leaves, um, then, th- then it could be referring to a person who eats, then shoots, and then leaves. But if it's eats, shoots, and leaves, well, a panda bear eats, shoots, and leaves. So let's put this back in our Pasuk, Lahavdil. The Torah says, You'll cover it with pure gold. You'll cover it from inside and outside. 
that the way that one can read that is, you'll cover it with gold, and you, the gold should be on the inside and the outside. However, it says the clayakar, shift the comma back. Uh, and it re- should, can read as follows. It's bias. Maybe you will put the pure gold on the inside. And you'll also cover the outside. What does that mean? Says the clayakar, when we do good actions, when we do amazing things for the world around us, and people see it, that's not necessarily pure, because we have a bias. We're interested in other people noticing our goodness. That's the covering on the outside. The real way a person is measured is when no one is watching, when no one thinks about what, what it is that they're doing, nobody knows about it, that's when the true person comes out. So therefore the pure gold, the bias, the pure gold is inside. And yes, there's gold on the outside, but that's not pure gold. In fact, Rav, Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach was once asked, do you have an idea of who any of the, the 36 hidden tzaddikim are in the generation? And he immediately said, yes, I know one. So what the, uh, what the Talmud asked him, he says, Rebbe, can you let me in on the secret and tell me who that, that tzaddik is? And he immediately said, he immediately said well, one of the 36 tzaddikim is Rav Shach. So the Talmud said, no, that doesn't make sense. Rav Shach is one of the G'dayle Ador, was one of the G'dayle Ador at the time when he was alive. So... Uh, that, that doesn't seem like it's much of a hidden tzaddik. So Rav Shlomo looked at him and said, the parts that you know about Rav Shach is simply the tip of the iceberg as to what he's really doing. Meaning you think you know about an individual. Let me tell you, the parts that he does secretly, that no one knows about, are far, far more profound. That's the gold on the inside. That's what we're really measured for, is when nobody else is watching, what are we really? What is our real metal? inside. Finally, one last question in this aliyah that we're going to focus on, and that is, why is it that the staves, lo yasuru mimenu, cannot be removed from the Aaron? Why can the staffs not be removed? The Bechor Shor explains that the reason is, is because the Aaron is so holy. We do not want to remove the staves so they could be used for any other mundane activity. If they were left lying around, they would be perhaps used for anything, leveraging something else, carrying something else. No, the Aaron is so holy, the staves can never leave it, never to be used for something else. Rav Sarotskin, right in the Oznaim Torah, flips it around and says, well, if you remember something interesting, the Aaron noisei es noisav, the Aaron carries those who carry it, which means although it looked like people were carrying the Aaron, really, truly, it was carrying them. Says Rav Sarotskin, the reason why we shouldn't take out the stays is because we never know when we need to be carried. We never know when we need the Aaron to carry us over the dangers and through the terrifying places and times in life and Jewish history. So don't remove them for our own sake. In fact, he gives another perspective, and he says that the Aaron is the Talmud Echarabim, is the sages and the, the wise people, the idea, the, the, the idea leaders in our generation. Um, and the staves, the poles, are the supporters. He says it's important that the supporters never leave the life source of the Jewish people, which is ideas. Not influencers, not popular people. We're talking about the idea leaders, the sages. The supporters, the staves, need to be associated always closely with Talmud Echachavim, and that is the longevity of the nation of Israel. With this, we conclude the first Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.